Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Hello, hello. Good morning, church. Wasn't that beautiful? Aren't we so blessed by the presence of God, the person of Jesus? Aren't we so blessed for the wonderful Sue and Amy and even Cherie? Did a wonderful job for a first time. Go send them loads of love. Go send them loads of love. We're so, so blessed to have such a rich church of heart and character. It's a real honour to be able to serve alongside you guys and to learn from you all. But equally, it's just incredibly overwhelming at what a rich church is. And I don't mean that in materialistic wise. I use, I, I use that term for the hearts that you guys have. And we're, it, it's amazing. It really is amazing. And Revelation 22 talks about the, the tree of life that's planted next to the river that flows from the throne of God. And it says that those leaves upon those trees were the healing, are the healing of the nations. So it's, it's, it's what we need, right? We need the healing over land. We, we need the healing over this world, the creation. We know that God, he's not, he's not phased by this. He doesn't like seeing people suffer. He doesn't like people having injustice against them, but he's not... He's not out of control he knows what's going on and he knows that what is going to happen so have comfort in that today and we're going to dig in to to things a little bit um today but before we do that let's pray let's just become aware of his presence just for me my heart more than anything is just to be where he is and stay where he is and whatever that looks like this morning let's go with that so let's pray Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, we adore you. We adore you. Thank you that you are here. We thank you that you were poured out thousands of years ago for the good of humanity. The Spirit of Jesus poured out upon the earth. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, have fun this morning across your church. Heal your people, we pray. Heal the land, we pray. Heal our hearts, we pray. And remind us of the joy of the Lord. Remind us of who our Father is and what he's done for us. Restore to us the joy of our salvation, we pray, Holy Spirit. Would you lift burdens off of us? Would you take us into new levels of freedom that only comes from you? that we would continue to shine for your glory, we'd continue to look like you and love like you and think like you and be like you. We give you full control, Holy Spirit. Take control, we pray, because it's all about you. It's all about you, and we want more of you. Bless your holy name. Amen. Amen. Cool. I, feel very, I feel very peaceful right now. It's wonderful. I don't know if you're experiencing things at home, but it's such a lovely atmosphere right here, right now. And it's a real joy to, to be able to share what I feel God has put on my heart this morning. We had Clive start, Clive start his, um, his short series of us last week on liminal space. If you haven't seen that, I'd encourage you to check it out. It's really just, just relevant for the global church and the world, but for us as a body, from what we've been through, it's really relevant for us. So I'd encourage you to check that out. Clive's a wonderful man. We've been journeying with him as a leadership for the last 
well for a long time for, for the last three months he's been doing a bit of training with us all and he's just been he's been brilliant really really brilliant so we're so blessed to have Clive kind of just with us in this season and just giving us the, the time to learn from him so we're very blessed by Clive but today I want to I want to share something that God has put on my heart in the in the space of August in the space of just having um spare Sundays as if you'd call it because we haven't got a series going on Clive will be carrying on a series um a few times coming up I'm not sure when I haven't got the road to in front of me but in this space I've just been praying about what God wanted me to share today and what he put on my heart to share today and it's something that that we all know okay if you've been a Christian for longer than six months or a year or even if you're even if you're just a a human being with no Christian experience it's something that there is a, a usual awareness of and that is helping the poor and that is being called to the people of the poor and I've, not, I've, I've written on my title here the call to the poor and if like I say if you've been around Christianity long enough you will know that it's a huge part of Christianity today and so it was a huge part of Jesus' ministry and is a huge part of our calling as sons and daughters of God and it's a calling to the poor and I want to just say really quickly I want to put a line in the sand and just say oh, today I'm not going to be talking about the spiritually poor okay because there's a difference and for us we live in an affluent town we live in a wealthy town we live in probably one of well not probably we live in one of the nicest places within the UK it was voted like that as one of the things I got told the most when I moved here and it is and, and and who's who's wrong it's beautiful it's a lovely place and we love it but today I'm not going to be talking about the spiritually poor which Jesus does identify and it's something that we are probably more accustomed to in the town that we live in and the area that we live in but today I, I want to bring our attention and our focus to the poor the physically poor the ones that it's a bit more easy to identify if they are poor or not okay but like I said it's another sermon for another day I might do it if I get another opportunity to talk on the spiritually poor and what that can look like but today I want to just bring our attention to and remind us and refresh us about our call to the poor and I ask you to have grace with me today if you know me I just hope you realize that my heart is to love Sometimes my tone or things may, may say otherwise, but my heart is to love and to challenge and just to sometimes bring un- make, it, make, make, make people uncomfortable because that means we're growing, those growing pains. But just hear my heart and show me grace that it is just to call people higher. And it's just, I'm challenging myself in all this. So I just encourage you to pray for me and show me grace as I just deliver this message I feel God has, has put on my heart. And I know we're, we're, some of you guys have just blown my mind how, well, a lot of you guys have blown my mind how generous you are, how wonderful you are, and the work that we've, we've done in India, the work we've done in other, other nations, and the work we do within compassion, and that's amazing, and it reflects our heart. But today, I want to take things another level here. And I don't just want to do this once, once a week. I don't just want to do this a one-time thing and then we forget about it a few weeks. I want us to have such a, a touch from heaven today. I want me to have such a touch from the Father and to embrace the Father's heart like never before. That This won't just be a one-time reminder, but this will be something that is ingrained into our culture as sons and daughters of God, that it is something that motivates us, it's something that we're aware of, and that there's no fear in us giving our lives to this cause. That is something that will be so ingrained in our culture as a church, this church and a global church, that we'll be passionately pursuing the heart of God for the last, the least, and the lost. And that for us moving forward is my prayer, that we would have a touch of the heaven, the touch of the Father, that we would imitate his heart and we would truly understand his heart for the poor. So today let's read together from Luke 10, 25. And this is probably the most famous parable that Jesus spoke on in the New Testament. So we know it really well and let's unpack it together. 
This is Luke 10.25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you'll live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him into an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now, it's important we understand right here that this man was not actually seeking answers. He was testing Jesus' heart. He was testing Jesus' knowledge, and he was testing Jesus's, just his ability to answer these kind of questions. And that's what we see quite a lot with in the New Testament. And it's, it's amazing that Jesus had the discernment, and we're called to have discernment as well as sons and daughters of God. Okay, he had the understanding and the discernment to know that he was testing them. Okay, and Jesus gives this answer by telling a parable, okay? And we know, that we, we know this parable really, 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 really well, the Good Samaritan. And he's talking and, under, and unpacking the, the, the question of who do I love and who is my neighbor? Okay, so he is expressing this story by saying, okay, your neighbor is anybody. No matter what race, no matter what gender, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, your neighbor is absolutely anybody, Okay, so he is un- he's unpacking his answer right there in great detail. And I love the fact that Jesus uses stories to just expand people's imaginations. It wasn't usually black and white. It wasn't, it, it, he basically he shows so much, and stories can speak more than words, it feels like. And he unpacks this story of the Good Samaritan to say your neighbor is absolutely anybody, no matter who they are, no matter what they identify as, no matter what they've done, they are our neighbor and we are called to love them as the most important commandment to love the lord your god with all that you are not just your mind but with your heart and that's when it comes from your heart i mean it expresses through actions it's not just it's not just mouth it's it's, it's something you express through your actions for your life and we're called to love god okay and in these times we, we, we're called to worship like this is a complete side note but we're called to worship more than ever before because worship changes the atmosphere and we love God by worshipping and we love God by just proclaiming his name and speaking the truth into the atmosphere. But coming back, we are called to love God and love people. And loving our neighbour looks like this. And what is the illustration that, God, that Jesus gives? And it's not just walking past someone and says, here, here's two pounds, go get yourself a sandwich. He's saying, sit down, bind them up, go the extra, extra, extra mile. Don't just walk past them and say, you just made bad choices, mate. You made bad choices. You know, you just created your own downfall there, sweetheart. I'm not going to do anything for you. Why should I do that? You're just going to fall back into a pit again. Did the Samaritan do that? Absolutely not. 
He, does, he goes the extra, extra mile, sits with them, gets in the dirt, puts them on his own donkey, and this person's on the brink of death and goes the extra mile. And James talks about how faith without works is dead. So it's one thing, okay, to give money and all this kind of stuff, but it's an extra, next level to sit with the poor, to be with them, and to let our actions do the talking. And that's my heart that we want to express today. And so you can look at... A lot of theologians look at this verse and you can see, yes, Jesus is answering the question, who is my neighbour? But equally, you can look at it with a spiritual perspective. Okay, a man is beating up by bandits, a man is beating up by robbers. Okay, we listen to that word robber. Who is a robber that we can identify in the Bible? Satan. Okay, he comes to steal, kill and destroy. So people get beaten up through life. Okay, a Samaritan comes along. Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus being the suffering servant who was rejected by society. A Samaritan, Samaritans were and are rejected by the Jewish people. They weren't, they weren't liked. People didn't like them. They didn't, they didn't want anything to do with them. A Samaritan comes along, gives all that he has and more out of compassion. It says he was moved to compassion. He kits him on his donkey and he takes him to an inn. And so you can identify the Samaritan as Jesus in a spiritual perspective. And understanding the heart of God in this, we read that Jesus throughout his life is spending time with the poor, with the broken, with the, the lepers, with the ill, with the paralyzed, with the people that have probably made bad choices. People that have probably made bad choices, but that did not mean it stopped him from reaching out and sitting with them and loving them and, and giving them another opportunity, another chance to be healed, restored and refreshed and redeemed. Because that's the heart of Jesus. So you can identify Jesus as a Samaritan who goes the extra mile that the people may live, that we may live. Because I, I, I think about my life. And I, for me, I encountered God when I was 13 years old. And I just always was left wanting more. I, I just tasted it. And it tasted so good. And I just went after him. And I just searched everywhere. I just looked in every, I, I looked at lots of different religions as well. And I've got a decent understanding of different religions. And I just was looking for the person of Jesus. I was looking for him. So I, I went to brethren churches, spiritual churches, all this kind of thing. I was just looking for the person of Jesus. And even in churches, it was sometimes hard to find. Because man has its agenda. And sometimes it was hard to find the person of Jesus. And the times that I found him the most, the times I just searched him out, just subconsciously just searched him out, was the times I was closest to and working with the poor, the needy, the broken. And do you know why God loves the poor, the needy, and the broken, and the poor? It's because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. He isn't, he isn't bothered about the outward appearance. He, he cares about the state of your heart more than anything in this world. He cares about my heart. May the words of my mouth and meditations in my heart be pleasing to you, O oh God. That's what he cares about. That's why he spent so much time with the poor, because he, can, he, can, he has the compassion on them, but he also looks at the heart more than anything else. I was in Jordan in 2014, I was working with Syrian refugees, and it was, it was heartbreaking. Because um, on the roof, you could see the camp. You could see the, the, the refugee camp just living in tents. And uh, there was, we used to go up a few times a week just to the, the suburbs of the town where Syrian refugees were placed. They had no work. They had no money. They were given packages and things every so often. But we'd go out and just, just, just shower them in love as much as we could. We'd just give them gifts. We'd just spend time with them. We'd, we'd, we'd sit and talk to the parents in broken Arabic. And, 
and things like that. But there's one time I, I went and there was this, we went into a, a little part of the town and there was, this, there was this boy, he must have been five or six. And he was, the ha- to this day, the happiest boy I've ever seen in all my life. And I was, I was playing football with them and I play football quite a bit. I, I love football. I love Southampton. Come on, Southampton. But I love football. And we were playing football with these guys. And this little boy was, was playing, and he was just so happy the whole time. And all you've got to do is kick the ball in the air, and they're, they're happy. This one time, I really damaged my ankle. Okay, and I, I was trying to play on, but I couldn't do it. And I was just hobbling everywhere, and I had to sit down in the end. And this boy, just full of joy, just runs into this kind of this, this concrete room, which they call a house of nothing. And he runs, he runs in. And he, gives it, he pulls his mum out and he runs towards me with this bandage that's about this size. And it, it won't be any good for my ankle, but the heart behind this thing, and his mother was glad to give it to me, just changed my life forever because this, it just identifies the, the heart of the poor, the heart of these people that have just been beaten up their whole lives. And it's something that I believe that when you want to find Jesus, go look in the poor and broken neighborhoods. Go look for the people that are needy. Go look in those places because I believe if Jesus was on the earth today, that is where he would be. He would be binding up the brokenhearted. He would be healing the lepers. He would be healing all these guys. You wouldn't find him in the wealthy towns. You would find him with these people because that's who he loves and that's who he came for. And he was moved so many times with compassion out of, out of people, for people. And that's what he went for. So my whole life, I've just gone after Jesus, and I've gone to find him. Like It's been in the drug dens. It's been around the addicts. It's been around the people, because I'm just like... And I, I put two and two together, and I thought, this is where Jesus would be. In my opinion, this is where Jesus would be, because he came for the poor and the brokenhearted. He is that, that person. If you read Isaiah 58, he talks about what he's really interested in. That he, he wants us to imitate him. As sons and daughters of God, we are called to imitate him for the poor. You know, I used to do a ministry in Farnham where we used to open up the churches at the door and we used to invite anybody in. And I took it on and I started it and it was about three people would come each week. And it became my my favourite thing because you've got to spend time with these people with quite severe mental illness, but you get to see the Jesus in them and you've got to see how much Jesus loved them. And you saw them transform. We grew to about 30 people after a few years. And it was just consistent love. And I was like, this is where Jesus would be. This is where Jesus would be. And even spending times in Mozambique when you, you're walking around and you've got children who haven't got any shoes, they've got to wear water bottles as shoes around just with, with tape, they haven't got footballs, they haven't got anything like that. And you've got young women who, who are sleeping with men for food. There was a time when we did a thing called Rahab Ministries and every Friday night we'd go into the town and we, the, the women would look after the prostitutes. We would look after the prostitutes, and these prostitutes were, y- were young girls. And what we would do as the men, we'd have to stand outside the front, and we'd have to protect the girls from the men that would come in and get them. And again, I've never encountered the presence of God so much. The women inside would just love these girls. They would just paint their nails. They'd have worship music playing. It was dirty. You would come back absolutely filthy. You would come back feeling filthy because of the spiritual atmosphere and you'd come back physically filthy. And what our job as men was to do was to stand out and stop the guys from going in there that would want them. And there was this one time a man called Blue came along who was an alcoholic, spoke good English, and he had a a bottle of vodka in his hand. And I just ministered to him in the Holy Spirit. And this guy is just weeping outside this, I can't remember the right word, this bamboo hut, and he's experiencing the presence of God, of grace. And he encountered the presence of God outside this place where he came to get a a, a prostitute. 
And that is the same with God's grace and God's love. It's not just for the people that are the victims, but God wants to save the people as well. He wants to save all people. He came to save all mankind. And for me, church, that is where we find Jesus in all his fullness in my <laughs> And it's, it's biblical. It's biblical too. 1 Samuel says this, He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honour. Proverbs says this, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. So God is identifying, says, what you do for them, you do for me. Whatever you do for the poor, you're doing it to me. You're actually, whatever goes through for them, you've done to me. If you say, I love you to them, you're saying, I love you to me. If you give them this, you've done it for, the, you've done it for me. And that's how much God is so invested in the poor and the broken. And it sometimes means leave, leaving our comfortable lifestyle. Sometimes it means that. And yeah, we, we count our blessings. We know that God loves us. He, he loves us, us to, to have, live life and life abundantly. I'm not saying we need to go and sell our houses, sell our cars and things like that. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying when the opportunity comes, that we lay our lives down for the poor. I never learned this so much until I was in Mozambique with Heidi Baker. Listen to her testimonies, listen to her stories about just sitting in garbage dumps. And that's where revival was breaking out. Hundreds of people raising from the dead, thousands of church planted. I've seen it firsthand. And their main point of call is the poor and the broken and the needy. And this is all biblical because Jesus spent so much of his life going after these people. You know, when I first started at this church, I'll, I'll share this and then I'll end. When I first started at this church, I, I shared a dream that I had. Um, and it's important to, I think it's important to understand that I, I'm not in fleet by choice. And that, I, so for me, my heart is, is to be in the broken places. Rachel and I always thought we were going to be missionaries somewhere. We were, we were in Mozambique, we met together and we just thought we'd go, we were ready to go anywhere. And then I felt God told me to go to Farnham and then I felt God told me to come to Fleet and that's why I'm here. And I love it. I love you guys. I love this church. And it's a real, real privilege to be here. And I love listening to the Father's voice and going where he leads me. And early on when I started this in this church, I, I had a dream. And for years, just a bit of background, for years and years, I'd, I'd cry out to God. I said, I want to see your face. I'd hear testimonies. I was like, Jesus, I want to see your face. I don't want to just see this solemn dude in the Jesus movies. It's just like... Do you know what I mean? I want to see like Jesus' face. I want to see the, who you really are. Because I'd, I'd read the Old Testament, I'd read the New Testament, and it would say, and God appeared to them. And I was like, what? This is, a, this is available. God appears to people through the Holy Spirit and through his word, yes. But I'm like, okay, God, I want you to appear to me. I'm like, Lord, please show me your face. Please show me your face. And then about five years ago, 2015, I'll never forget it, I had a dream. And in this dream, I was in this, this lovely town. It was very clean. It, was very, very, it felt like a brand new, brand new built town. And I was in this shop, and in this shop was, um, it, wasn't, it was like doing a, like a, an event for something. There was a table, the food set out. And in this shop were all my people in my life, past and present, old tutors, old teachers. And um, I was by myself. And what you do when you're by yourself, or I tend to, sometimes if I don't fancy making conversation, I'll just go and eat food and just look busy. So apparently in my dream, I went up to the table as well and started eating food and looked busy and just observing what was going on. And as I'm eating this food, this young man comes up and he's just, he's just exuding confidence. He's exuding this authority. He's like, I remember this thinking, he's like the president. He's going to be a president one day because this young man is, a, is just exuding authority and he's just so confident. He's talking and I'm just grabbing food, just kind of listening to him. And I'm just, I say to him, who are you with? And he says, I'm with him. 
And in my dream, I turned around to see who he pointed to. And, as I, and this door, the door opened, and there was a man leaving. And I caught his face for two seconds max, two seconds max. But I tell you what, it was the most beautiful face I'd ever seen in my life. And I can't, I can't say that I look at men and think, oh, that's a, a beautiful face very often. But I remember I, I saw this face, and I remember thinking in my dream, that is one beautiful man. And, I, and I, that, was, that was the closest word I could use to describe it. And I was just so drawn to him, so attracted to him. So I just followed him out the shop. And he was wearing like brown potato sackcloth. Okay, and I just followed him out of the shop. I left the event and I just followed him at a distance. And I kept following him about the distance, just up the streets. And then um, I saw a friend of mine. And I was like, mate, mate, I think that's Jesus. I, I, think that, I think that's Jesus. And he's like, nah, nah, Jesus isn't coming back for a few years yet. You've got a bit of time. That's not Jesus. And I'm like, no, I think it's him. I think it's him. And I, and I, I keep walking on. And a bit of wind comes up and it blows this sack, this the potato cloth that Jesus is wearing. And underneath, it shows this bright lightning. It's like this, this blinding light underneath this sackcloth. And I'm like, this has got to be Jesus. This has got to be Jesus. This is like giving all the, all the signs that it's Jesus. And I just follow him, I follow him. He doesn't look back once, but I saw his face like that, just that second. And I follow him. And I follow him into the pitch black tunnel. He walks into a tunnel and then it just disappears. And I follow him into the darkness. And I end on this because we are called to the darkness so we can shine in the darkness. And sometimes God will call you to places that are uncomfortable. Sometimes it will be dirty. Sometimes you will come back physically dirty. You just think of, I was brought up in Aldershot, okay? Big difference between Fleet and Aldershot. Big difference between Farnham and Aldershot. Big difference between Fleet and Farnborough. And we're called to those places, church. We're called to those, whether it's these towns or whether it's anywhere else, we're called to love the broken. We're called to sit with the poor because it imitates the heart of God. And sometimes we are called to shine in the darkness because that's where Jesus would be. That's where I believe Jesus would dwell. He'd be sitting with the sinners, sitting with the broken and restoring them, loving them unconditionally and building them up time and time again. Last verse. Okay, last verse, Matthew 25. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And this is Jesus talking in one of his parables in 25, verse 25. It's a church. Let's get ready. And obviously the circumstances are interesting at the moment. But I pray that our hearts wouldn't do this with... Um, I, I pray that our hearts would do this with joy and gladness in taking people in and loving people, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. And we would see them restored and we would treat people like Jesus. And like I say, this is talking about the physically born right now. For it's our calling to imitate Jesus and to love the last, least and the lost. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we, we love you that you left your throne to sit in the darkest, dirtiest places. And Father, would you adjust our hearts 
to be ready to look after the poor, the broken, and to restore them and see them restored, and the addicted restored? Would you fill our hearts with that same compassion that you experienced when you were on earth that just drove you to do something about the poverty that you saw? Would we be a people that gladly serve you by serving others? Would we lay our lives down for the sake of others? And would we truly transform this world? And would we truly see you in the midst of the poverty and the poor and the broken? And set our hearts on fire the same way your heart is on fire for these people. That your heart would be experienced and known on the earth. And we would have testimony after testimony after testimony. Of the love of God being manifest for his church. The grace of God being manifest for his church. We love you, Father. We praise you. For you, you met us in our darkest moment. You met me in my darkest, dirtiest, horrible moment. And you saved me and brought me to light. Now, would we do that for other people through the Holy Spirit? We love you, Father, and we praise you. Amen. Oh,